What's up, everybody? August 1st, 2016. Uh, hello, this is the Monday Morning Analyst. I am your host, Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Um, today on the podcast, wow, three events over the weekend. We're not, I mean, we just don't have time to get into all of them. Uh, or hardly any of them, to be perfectly honest. But we'll at least uh, breeze over the results, have some thoughts about some of those things. We're going to take a look at a fight in the uh, second segment between Nikita Krylov and Ed Herman. Uh, Nikita Krylov is a guy who I have... Uh, definitely uh, not taken seriously and uh, paid for it because he looked really good over the weekend. So we'll talk more about that as well. Uh, and then the third segment, we'll take a look at what's ahead. So we had World Series of Fighting 32, Invicta 18, and then where we start, UFC 201. Um, UFC 201 headlined, of course, uh, by a welterweight title clash. This uh, was, by the way, at the Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, an attendance of 10,240 for a gate of $1,070,000, uh, which is not great, but not terrible either. Um, okay, it was headlined. Tyron Woodley taking on Robbie Lawler for a welterweight title fight. Woodley wins 212 into the first round, beating Lawler. You see him go, and he fake pumps. Uh, Lawler, who has had his hands up like this, he drops this one temporarily because I guess you don't know if he thought there was going to be a shot or just because he bit on the feint. And then uh, Woodley launches a right hand over the top and cr uh, cracks him. This is a very easy one to break down. There's not much more complicated about it than that. Um, I mean, there's probably some other nuances, of course, but that's really about it. The big takeaway for me is, number one, kind of impressive that Willie was able to do that coming off of such a long layoff. Obviously, the layoff was pretty good for him. We talked about with Felice Herrick. Sometimes these guys get off and they have terrible ring rust. Sometimes they're off for a while and they're able to reset. And in the case of coming back from an injury, that's really hard to tell if they're going to be just sort of making up for lost time or building on things uh, as a way of rebuilding their body. I don't know if you've ever been injured or had surgery or something like that. Sometimes you can come roaring back because if you're so motivated about rehabilitation, it just gets you into this really great groove. Maybe that was the case for Woodley. I don't know exactly. But nevertheless, an incredibly strong performance. I mean, the bigger question that you have to really ask yourself is, um, what is going on in MMA now? Is the parity as real as we think it is? You know, we talked about women's bantamweight, I think, last week, and we were saying, you know, what is going on in that division where all the draws are losing and, and all of this sort of these, these obviously very talented women are pushing through, but they don't quite have names. And I think, obviously, what's happening at bantamweight in the women's division is more pronounced but it feels like what's happening in that division is really what's happening in mixed martial arts. It is incredibly difficult to hold on to the title. And I'm not exactly sure what the right answer is. If GSP was 28 and the skill set he had with 28, but he existed now, would he be champion? Probably, maybe. It's, it's hard to say exactly. Um, I do think that the era he came from in beating Hughes was an era where those guys could compete today, but they're not quite as good. <coughs> Pardon me, some other guys have told me that they think this era of fighters is not nearly as talented as the era that GSP grew up in. I don't really buy that, personally. I feel like the best practices in MMA have really developed over the last few years, and they've gone quite viral. Um, you know, no one has a patent on technique. No one has a technique that they can patent that no one else can use. Everyone can pick up everything. The only thing you can do is hide it or shield it or just not use it. Um, and I just feel like the guys today are really, really, really good. I'm not saying GSP couldn't compete with him. We could have that debate. I'm just saying it wouldn't be. I don't think if he was on top, it would be nearly as easy for him. Um, but it's an interesting debate to nevertheless have. And I also feel like, um, you know, this weekend 
and what happened with Miocic Verdum and what happened with Rockhold Bisping and what happened with Alvarez versus RDA. It wasn't that there weren't people at each interval who were like, I don't know, I don't know. But when you take all of those events in totality and you begin to ask yourself what's happening, yes, those are title fights, but really it's a very strong reinforcement when you go back to the Lesnar versus Hunt fight. Forget all the steroid stuff. People saying he had no shot even if he was on steroids. You know, this is just totally not true. You have to be very careful today about asserting with any kind of degree of confidence that something's going to really happen in mixed martial arts. Again, there were plenty of people who said before the fight Woodley was going to win. But if you just, again, it's all these events, you know, what, seven new champions? Um, Dominance at the top is incredibly difficult to come by. Saying before a fight one guy has no chance seems to me very foolish. And lastly, I think I would just add, uh, in addition to that, maybe we just never really... We always appreciated Silva's greatness. We always appreciated uh, GSP's greatness. Uh, and, and, of course, Jones was around at the same time, roughly. Um, although not, the overlap wasn't quite as you know seamless. But the point being is, Jones is now on, on ice for God knows how long. You know, Who knows if R- Rousey can regain her form. It may wind up being that Silva and GSP existing in the same time together, more or less, having those title runs is like one of those anomalies that won't happen for like another 20 years or something. I, I, I mean, I'm not stating this with absolute certainty by any stretch of imagination, but I'm beginning to wonder, with all these title fights going the way they're going, how long it's going to be before we see a guy with, you know, let's say eight title defenses or something like that. Um, again, notwithstanding Jones being around, how long is it going to be before we see two people who can get seven or eight title defenses existing at the same time in separate weight classes? Um Something to pay attention to. All right, Carolina Kovalkovitz. Carolina Kovalkovitz. Here we go. Carolina Kovalkovitz. Defeats Rose Namajunas. Split decision, 28-29, then 2-29-28. I had it 29-28 for Kovalkovitz. Here's the truth about Rose Namajunas, and a lot of people ask me to break down this fight. I just don't have enough time in the day, guys. I really apologize for that. I'm still backed up on other things for this project that I'm trying to get going. But we can't talk about it right now real briefly. You guys know where this was at range. Boy, I thought Rose Namajunas' boxing looked really good. Not really because she had great extension and timing on that long jab, but she was cutting angles. Did you guys notice that? She was sort of turning at an angle whenever Kovalkiewicz was coming in, and she was catching her all the time. There's a question about maybe what kind of power uh, she has in her punches. I mean, her accuracy's great. Her timing's great. Her movement's great. Her angles are great. Um, maybe Kovalkiewicz can just take a tremendous shot. I'm not declaring necessarily that Namajunas doesn't have power, just something to pay attention to as we go along because her boxing is getting really, really good on the outside. Just that inside space. And even in my pre-fight um, um, prediction, I, I sort of said, I, I, you go back, and even, even against Paige Van Zandt, she's a little bit, undisciplined's not the right word. She's just not quite as, she likes fighting at a flow and a rhythm. And it's kind of at this pace. When guys, or ladies, I should say, change up that rhythm and, you know, the volume attack of Kovalkiewicz is certainly part of that. But in that clinch space, she's often a little too patient, either not being defensively responsible and wrestling for space or attacking right away. She tries to find a little bit of that right moment. And people who are just a little bit proactive with their offense catch her all the time in that clinch space. And Kovalkiewicz has, obviously, great skill there anyway. Now, she was running into punches coming in. When she was striking, she was striking in straight lines. I didn't like that so much. And that's, of course, when Rose Namajunas was able to catch her a lot. But when she got into that space, she was going, go back and uh, recall what we were talking about with Demetrius Johnson and um, Henry Cejudo. Now, that involved a little bit more wrestling tie-ups, or at least 
guys turning in space and fighting for underhooks. But you nevertheless saw Kovalkiewicz going side to side to side anytime she was trying to create space and couldn't with her forearm for like that front forearm um, cross face. And she was looking for something to attack the body. She would nevertheless just pop in the elbow in short range. And that got better and better and better. And I, obviously the body work wore Namunas down. So really in the end it was this very gritty grinding performance. It was a standing ground and pound kind of thing that Kovalkiewicz was able to do. And then again, she got on top uh, for a brief period there in the third round. Anyway, but you get the idea. Like, that's really what it came down to. But, you know, Nama Yunus, I didn't think looked bad. The problem for Nama Yunus is that she is trying, she's a very young fighter. She has very few fights. These are things that were supposed to have happened for her on a kind of regional scene, but there really is no regional scene, or at least the one that exists. She's already too good for them. So, like, she's good enough to beat the, you know, many women in the top 10, but the ones at the very, very top. It's not that she's not showing up and not looking good. It's just she's still in development, and it's just really kind of unfair. I don't think her record really reflects how good she is because she's very, very talented. Um, I just hope she can stick with it. And, and in the end, maybe this loss is good for her because we were all kind of saying, you know, if she loses, then, you know, we don't want to see her get torn to pieces by Yen Jacek. And, of course, who knows what could have happened. But in the end, I, I just I, we have to be very careful when we look at Rose Namajunas' record because it's just not very fair. Uh, Jake Ellenberger defeating Matt Brown. This was crazy. TKO body kick. I mean, MMA is so wildly unpredictable. I didn't see anyone hardly picking Ellenberger to beat Matt Brown, especially in the way that he did it. He looked phenomenal, aggressive. Um, we knew from the Eric Silva fight that Matt Brown obviously had some body kick issues, and uh, he tore him up, came right out of the gate. Firing, put Matt Brown on the defensive. You saw when Matt Brown gets in a rhythm, when he regained himself, he can be a handful. He was, I, I thought he was about to turn the fight there. And then Ellenberger just came out with that massive shot, really well done, accurate, powerful, great stuff from him. Uh, Eric Perez defeated Francisco R Rivera. 30-26, 30-26, 29-28. Crazy fight, those two guys exchanging. I thought Perez did a pretty good job making adjustments over time, mostly staying out of brawls except for that third round. Uh, Ryan Benoit defeating Freddy Serrano, split decision 28-29, 29-28, 29-28. All the Colombians I know, of course, believe that Freddy Serrano was robbed. I do not. I believe he lost that fight. However, um, you know, what do you want to say about Freddy Serrano? This is a point I made on Twitter at th that night. He is strong as hell to be able to lift guys like that in the way that he can. He is very athletic, super athletic, and he can obviously wrestle his ass off. He wasn't going for a lot of submissions or passing, and I don't, it's not because he can't. This is a guy who's trained in Marcelo Garcia's for a long time. I've seen footage of him do that kind of thing. I think he was just scared to do it, which tells you a lot about the inexperience he has in MMA, despite his lengthy competitive record. And just for folks who understand, everyone was like, "Oh, Serrano's so bad," and I'm not here to defend his performance by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Boynoy did a really good job, um, and Serrano, obviously, when it comes to striking, it just has really nothing to show for it. You know. This guy was a medalist at the Pan Am Games and an Olympian. He is the greatest wrestler to ever come out of the country of Colombia, period. Like, by a mile. This is a world-class wrestler. By definition, a world-class wrestler. Um, and CM Punk's going to fight at UFC 203. You can get mad at me for the dig, but just, just so we're clear about what kind of thing we're talking about here. We're talking about an excellent athlete, a world-class wrestler, and he looked like that after three fights, four fights. Um, all right. Nikita Krilov defeating Ed Herman via head kick, second round, 40 seconds in. The Kyokushin background, we're really going to focus in on the second uh, segment here. Very impressive performance by Nikita Krilov. You know, again, it's Dave Herman, not necessarily like the world's best striker, but um, still, just some of the things he was able to show me. I, I was more of a bit I was doing, because if you lose via Von Fluchok, I just like the ultimate level of donkery imaginable. And when was that? It's been a while, though, you know, like I got to get over it. Here's the point, though. I let the bit go too long about me clowning on him. When was that? Uh, let's see. He lost to Soa Palele. How is that possible? 
Jesus. Uh, but he's just gotten better and better and better and better. That was 2014 when he lost over St. Prue. So it's almost been two and a half years. I kind of got to get over it a little bit. Um, so I apologize for that. But point being is, I make amends for it in the second segment. We really take a deep dive and look at his record and examine the things about it that are uh, not as recognized so much, but this fight and um, just how impressive it was. So that'll be the second segment. Uh, Jorge Masvidal looking incredible against Ross Pearson. 29-28, 29-28, 30-27 wins by unanimous decision. Um, I had a 30-27. I guess you could give Pearson the third round if you thought Masvidal took it off. Boy, when Masvidal is in a flow, what it, I mean, he is incredible. Is he not? There is like, imagine you wanted to, sh if you wanted to show someone what a well-rounded fighter looks like. Imagine you had friends over and you were watching this and you were trying to explain to them like the context of the evening. And when this fight comes on, this is the one you say to your friends, um, you need to watch this guy. He is excellent everywhere in every dimension. When he is kicking at range, when he is boxing at range, when he's in the clinch, when he's wrestling, when he's in his guard, everything. Everything is tight. Everything is just absolutely crisp fundamentals. The problem for him is when he gets against the better guys, he kind of fights on their terms a little bit, and he's a little bit defensive. But when he's in a flow and he's attacking, he is a nightmare. He's an absolute nightmare. Uh, he was really, really just putting Ross Pearson in problems where um, he had trouble counteracting, had trouble reaching him, had a real big distancing problem. Um, uh, and the footwork and the real estate management of... Um, Jorge Masvidal, absolutely incredible. Anthony Hamilton just absolutely ran over Damian Grabowski in 14 seconds. Wins via KO. Wilson Hayes defeating Hector Sandoval. Sandoval was lighting him up on the feet a little bit, but he beats him at, via rear naked choke at 149 in the first. You go back and you watch that choke and you'll look. It's a gable grip. It's not a bicep grip. And what's interesting about that, if you notice... He had the back, but if, it, it kind of looks like he's off at an angle. He's actually not really that much off at an angle. In fact, if he's off at an angle, it's to benefit the elbow angle. A lot of times you guys will see this. Pay attention to what I'm doing. But in an ideal world, you, you still want your shoulder square to them, of course. You don't necessarily want to pull this one out because you can create space. But in an ideal world, you also want that elbow centered. And if you go back and you watch, yes, Wilson Hayes kind of had that left, that outside shoulder tilted back. But what he was doing was, um, make sure I'm recording this right. Just one quick thing here. Please tell me I did that right. Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, what he was able to do was, he was able to sneak that elbow right underneath, right sort of splitting the chin here. And then uh, with the gable grip, it was kind of just behind like the ear here. So even if he was off, he was still basically occupying the space. And you saw Sandoval getting stretched. Um, and that's really what that was about. It, it, he kind of gave a little bit of an angle on the outside shoulder. But really what that was about was he was uh, trying to create the, the, op the perfect lane for the elbow. And then just gable grip and then pull with all his might. So really great job from him doing that. Of course, Wilson Hayes is an excellent black belt. Uh, Michael Graves. And Bojan Velikovic fight to a draw. I thought Graves won that, but whatever. Uh, Damian Brown absolutely lights up Cesar Arzamendia. Great one. He actually throws, he lands a right. Excuse me. Um, Arzamendia throws. Brown shifts back in the pocket, lands a right, is going to follow with a left, pulls the left because he sees Ar Arzamendia right himself, and then blasts him with another right. Pretty good job there. Fighter of the card for me is definitely going to be uh, Nikita Krilov. Um, 
Fight of the night actually went to Carolina Kovalkiewicz uh, versus Rose Namajunas, and then the performances went to Woodley versus Ellenberger. Before we go to the second chapter, let's quickly go over some of the other fight cards that took place uh, this weekend. Invicta FC 18, Grasso versus Esquibel. This took place at the Scottish Rite Temple. I do not have any figures on attendance and... Um, and uh, Gate. Uh, Alexa Grasso defeating Jody Esquibel, 30-27, 30-27, 30-26. This was, I mean, she lit her on fire. I mean, there was really no place for Esquibel to go. Whatever range she was at, Grasso was just one step ahead. Her, her defense was always there, and she was just, I mean, at, at kicking range, she was tearing her up at boxing range. It was a little bit like Masvidal versus Pearson, only worse. Uh, in the sense that one person was just everywhere they went um, really good. She had to defend all the takedowns from Esquibel and, and essentially did. There was a one moment in the third round where, like, Nate Diaz on Conor McGregor pops her with a 1-2, and now Esquibel was already bloody before that, but that second, that cross comes down the pipe, and you can see her face just explode. After that, there is blood pouring everywhere, and she does one of these numbers and then tries to reach and take her down. The referee actually uh, stopped the fight briefly to get to have the doctor take a look at it. They let it go. Ski Bell is tough as hell, man. Super, super tough. Obviously, incredibly durable person and a really tough lady, but um, she was just outgunned here. Uh, let's see. Uh, I can't even pronounce this person's name. Nidswitch defeats Kristen Stanley. 30-27 across the board. Don't care about that. Mizuki Inoue defeated Lynn Alvarez via armbar. If I'm not mistaken, this was from the back as well that she set it up uh, and then was able to... Um, she got the foot over the face first, that leg over the face. Getting that leg over the face from the back is essential to that arm bar. If you want to take someone's back, or if you're on someone's back and you want to have an arm bar, you got to make sure that leg goes over their face first because if, if you don't time it right, they're just going to sit up through it. That leg over the face is what keeps them down. It's not the leg over the belly. And then, of course, you bring your heels to your rear end. Uh, Cindy Dandois defeating Jessamine Duke, man. 133 with an armbar. If you guys didn't see this, she does it. The old women's MMA head toss. Scarf hold, essentially, is leaning into her. And then, I'm not going to say Duke wasn't responsible, but not responsible enough, clearly. And what Dandois does is from side control, she just takes the open hand here. Like, whenever you're in side control, what you want is, um, ideally, now if you're in scarf hold, it's a little bit differently. But if you're in, if you're in, Side control, you kind of what they tell you is, and there's different ways to do this. But what they basically tell you is you want one forearm, kind of hand on the shoulder across their throat, and one in the hip. That's what you're blocking, head, head and hip. And that, that's what you need to get your body around. That's what you need to do stuff, right? She kind of doesn't have this hand disciplined enough in terms of the space. It's a little bit floating. So Dandois grabs it, pushes it down between her legs, and then sits her hips forward on the arm bar, and you can see tap. The tap from Duke came pretty immediately. She now is now 3-5 and five in her career. Uh, Megan Anderson, who's the big prospect, defeated Peggy Morgan, lumping her up. Peggy Morgan had a giant hematoma on her face at 4.09 of the first round. Megan Anderson did a really good job ducking the punch, the lead jab of uh, Morgan moving to the outside and then coming over with a right herself and just, I mean, nailed her with it all night long. Um, obviously on the ground, I still feel like Megan Anderson has a lot of improvement to do in terms of polishing some of her technique. Um, she still is not quite as, what's the word I'm looking for, thorough with her clinch game in terms of fighting for underhooks and where to keep her hands as I think she needs to be if she really wants to become a, a, a you know, a, she's obviously very talented, I'm not saying that, but to be a, you know, that next level kind of talent where, you know, you, you that the UFC will not only create a division but make you a big part of it. There's just some fundamental things lacking there a little bit. Um, again, we're talking about professional level, so 
when I say lacking, I don't mean like relative to people you know. I mean relative to what the highest standard is that we, we've seen in the game. Um, so that's just some things you can work on. So there's still like a little bit of positional, you know, there's some T's that need to be crossed and some I's that need to be dotted, but obviously when it comes to striking, she's powerful. She's uh, in, in she also comes in shape, and uh, a lot to like there. Still think she needs to like get some more experience before we will start like you know having any talks about cyborg fights, but um, she's on her way. Let's see. Uh, Tessa Simpson defeated Simona uh, Sukupov. Sukupova, excuse me. I can't pronounce half these people's names. Uh, 29-28, 29-28, 29 Aspen Ladd, who is a little destroyer, defeated Jessica Hoy. TKO punches uh, 314 in the second round. Ladd comes out dead-faced and immediately just gets in her grill, starts jabbing, gets the takedown, works from the back, and just pounds her out until the referee has to stop it. And then Sajari Eubanks, who's a fighter here locally out of Team Lloyd Irvin. You can make it that what you want, but she's a very, very talented black belt. Um, and now she's in MMA. She's tough as nails, man, I can tell you that. She defeated uh, Amberlynn Orr at 441 of the first round via TKO. Now, quickly, we move lastly to World Series of Fighting. This took place at the Xfinity Arena in Everett, Washington. Marlon Moraes just absolutely lays it on Josh Hill, catches him with a right head kick as Hill was kind of extended out with his left. I'm not sure exactly what Moraes saw. I didn't expect, inspect the fight enough to tell, but um, obviously he saw something and acted on it, and an incredible performance by him. Who, by the now, by the way, now is a free agent. Uh, Lance Palmer defeated uh, Alashanje Almeida. Now he lost to Almeida the first time because he essentially just couldn't get enough of the takedowns to matter. That was not the case this time. Uh, Carlos Fordor defeating Ben Fordor, also known as uh, Phoenix Jones. By the way, this was both of those last two were unanimous decision. Marish defeated uh, Hill at three, 38 seconds of the second round. Um, Lewis Taylor. Defeating Phil Hawes, guillotine choke, man. Phil Hawes just can't seem to get things going in the right way. A ton of hype on this prospect. And Lewis Taylor, I, I, I warned people, was capable of these jump guillotines. He'll snatch a submission out of nowhere. Let me pull up his record here, in fact, um, just to prove the point. So he wins by guillotine choke against Phil Hawes, against Corey Devalia, first round against Devalia. Brian Houston, he won via guillotine choke in the first round. Robbie Gautreaux. Uh, first round guillotine choke. Eric Hammerich, first round guillotine choke. He has, let's see, let's see, um, and his very first fight ever in 2007, he won via guillotine choke in the first round. So he has his ability in early periods of the fight, at least the mid periods of the fight, to just jump on a guillotine super quick. You got to be very careful with him, whatever else you want to think about him. Also, put the guns down, it's kind of an interesting nickname. Um, all right, first segment done. Let's take a look at the second. Uh, segment, which is, of course, going to be a breakdown of Krylov versus Herman. I've been wrong about Krylov so many times. The only appropriate thing to do is to give him his props. We're going to talk about some of the things he doesn't necessarily do all that awesome. His defensive work is not necessarily all that great in terms of his head movement. It is from distancing. Uh, we'll talk about some of that too, but we're really going to focus on just how he closed the show. Very impressive job by him. Let's do that now. All right, Nikita Krylov taking on Dave Herman round one. We start about four seconds in. Now, before we look at some of this footage, I mentioned a little bit of this earlier, but just to reiterate a little bit, uh, certainly I am not in any way, shape, or form any kind of an authority on Kyokushin Karate. Uh, I strongly suggest that if you have any more questions about it, you read up on it. Uh, there's plenty of videos on YouTube. There's forums filled with uh, Kyokushin practitioners who can answer any of these questions better than I could. But a couple of things to note that I think I can take away from his background. Number one, the fluidity with his kicks. Now what you're going to see here, the story of this fight is the left leg of Krilov 
does the overwhelming majority of the work. Um, not merely as uh, the same kind of kick over and over thrown, but um, in the spaces it goes low, middle, high. It does, and it really it's not even just the left leg. It's like the left leg switch kick of Krilov is just an incredibly potent weapon. Now, it would not be fair to say that Kyokushin practitioners are all necessarily lead leg dominant. That's just not really true. You can pull up um, competition videos of Kyokushin practitioners and you'll see what you really get. The story there is that they have dexterity with both legs, the fluidity of their kicking game generally. I think it just so happens that in this particular case, this has been a successful potent weapon for Krilov, and so that's why he is really sort of left leg dominant, left switch switch kick to, uh, leg dominant. That's really kind of what everything flows through. But you'll see that he does throw off the back leg. I just think with the back leg, the way, like one of the major knocks you're going to see on Krilov is, obviously he was sensational in this performance, let's not mince words, but you're going to see that he does get, in, not in trouble, but the times he gets hit are the times where he tries to really box up Herman. Now, I'm not saying he didn't also have success behind the jab. He did. But if you look at the times where he got hit, it was when he either went low with the back leg outside kick and Herman countered, or uh, when he was trying to back Herman up with the jab and he wasn't necessarily behind the two black lines and Herman could counter. It's when he was covering up or trying to parry, side parry, down parry the body kicks and the head kicks is when um, Krilov was doing his best work because Herman was sort of just trying to be defensive and couldn't really react, and plus the distancing also favored Krilov. But just to make, just well, I just want to start with that general context. I'm not saying that there were phases of the game where Krilov, you know, had no success. But I do think it's fair to say he had significantly more success um, using the the lead leg here, his left leg. And I also think it's fair to say that defensively, the big knock on Krilov, of course, is not his distancing. He does not move his head a whole lot, which is why Herman was able to counter if he was countering a low leg kick or he was countering the jab in some kind of way. These were minimal spots, generally speaking, but just to be fair to Ed Herman, he got in his licks, and it was usually in those kinds of contexts. So a lot happened in this fight, including one ground exchange, and there was actually one moment where Ed Herman was on top, and um, Krilov exploded off his back and got to his feet. We'll talk about what happened in the aftermath. I'm not going to go through every single portion of Krilov's offense here, but you're going to get a general sense of the unrelenting frequency of Krilov's attacks with this lead left leg, and just the diversity of every angle and the timing. Uh, a pretty impressive performance. Okay, so here we go. First round, um, they're posing off. And this is going to be a common thing you see from Krilov all the time. So what does he do? He steps in, throws a, a middle kick, you, uh, you know, a front kick essentially through the body, push him back. Herman shells kind of sort of not merely pulls his hands up, but kind of like, you know, uh, brings his posture down to absorb the kick. And what you're going to see is this is a very common thing from Krilov. He likes same side attacks, right? So what's going to follow here is left leg, left hand. This is going to be common. And you might ask, why do that? So, you know, A lot of Thai instructors will tell you when you bring that left hand down, bring the right because your momentum is going forward, right? Bring that left down and then curl the right hand behind it. And that is certainly not wrong, but it's also not wrong to do it from the front either. There are different punches for different circumstances, and maybe even certainly different preferences. But in this particular case, what you can sort of take away from this is it's almost like a Superman punch, because you're gonna you're gonna push through here, and as this comes down, you're gonna you can even see him getting it ready here. You're gonna slam that left home, right? 
Now, the only difference is here, this kind of puts him, um, you know, it extends him. So maybe if this hand wasn't up, he could be countered. But it, it's all there, and you can see uh, it lands pretty cleanly. It puts Herman on the defensive. It's, it's disruptive to him. It lands pretty nicely. So we keep going. Now, second kick he throws in the whole round is a head kick. Doesn't set it up with anything, but there you go. What does he follow it with? A left hand, just like before. That hand is extended before this can even go down. And what you see from Ed Herman is he does get two hands up, and the the inside arm blocks correctly. The outside arm also comes up, but what Herman likes to do is he likes to parry down and to the side like a J-hook. And so when that happens, Krilov has an open lane. Because Herman is going to use this hand. This hand's going to be inside. This arm from Herman's going to be pushed down and around, which opens up an entire lane for this one. And now Kurloff follows it up with a right, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, another left, although you can see Herman gets up. Herman likes to parry. Herman likes to shell and parry, sort of much more classical boxing in that sense. I'm not calling him a boxer. I'm just saying some of the striking elements he employs are just much more correlated with that style of fighting. All right, so we keep going. And I believe this is right after that, too. No, no, four seconds later. So now he throws his first back leg kick. This is up the gut to the body. Kind of land to the side. Didn't land all that great, but you can see he's now incorporating some diversity here. Showing him different looks, different angles in the body. You get the idea. All right, we keep going. Throws a cut kick. This one lands uh, okay, not great. And you can see Herman wants to bring his He does a pretty good job of bringing his hand up and, and using the other hand to parry. The only thing about Herman is Herman is actually pretty defensively responsible when he has a decent idea about what you're going to do. It's The problem is he lets Krilov play his game way too long, had really trouble with the distance, and if he doesn't, it, 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 to the extent that he has an idea about what you're going to do, his defensive responsibility is great. But once he doesn't understand it, he's I mean, it's, as you can imagine, he's pretty wide open. So again, we're sort of noting how often the front leg here is doing work. We're noting the different ranges. Already we've seen middle kicks, leg kicks, head kicks, and we're only 18 seconds into the first round. Keep that in mind. It keeps going. So Krilov, doesn't, this isn't the best angle of it, but this is the only one they gave us. He lands a hard inside leg kick here, and you can see it kind of it, it, it off balances Herman a little bit. And what's he doing already? He's going to come in with the left as the foot plants. He's going to drive out that left hand. Pretty decent job of getting this up. Could be a little bit higher, but you get the idea. He fires it off. It kind of misses a little bit, and Herman counters him. It's this boxing range where Herman has any kind of success at all. I'm not saying it was a tremendous amount of success, but to the extent he landed, it was predominantly in these kinds of circumstances where um, Krilov just never got his head off center line, didn't move it at all, just sort of stayed in the pocket a little bit too long to finish a combination, and Herman was at least able to to make him pay. Now, I don't think he paid tremendously with this one, but you get the idea. And then I think he followed up with a right. This one may have glanced him a little bit. I think it sort of knocked his head off to the side, just a hair, but it, it wasn't a tremendous shot. But just to keep in mind, that circumstance was one where Kurlov had a little bit of problem. And then we go back. Inside leg kick. This one lands hard, and you can see what is Herman doing. He is defensively responsible on that right side and loves to use the outside hand to parry. Okay? And this time, you see a front leg body kick, push kick. Uh, Herman actually doesn't quite know what's coming his way. 
And so I think he thought a, a inside leg kick was coming. He wanted to raise it so that he wasn't had a, didn't have all his weight planted on it. And then you can see he was a little bit confused about it. But you can see, look, these hands are good. He thinks it could be a head kick, could be a body kick. He doesn't. He's not. He just doesn't really know. And so he's got like this confused multi-purpose shell and it still doesn't get everything right because he's on the left side going up the body right if it would been on the right side remember the previous front leg excuse me the previous front body kick was off the back leg so he's going right left inside leg kick body kick head kick let's see where he follows up from here watch it's just this endless barrage of of onslaught uh turning back kick he only used this, I think, twice in the fight, and both times he landed okay, not great. And it was when Herman was circling to uh, outside the power of Krilov, similar to the way that Conor McGregor uses it to sort of, sort of corral guys back to the power side. Had fairly minimal effect, but nevertheless, we're just sort of noting diversity, we're noting range, we're noting who is constantly on the on the offense here. Oops, let me come back out. My bad. All right. Okay, we move forward. How many seconds here? By the way, we're still in the first minute, so we move about seven seconds forward here. He lands a hard inside leg kick, and you can see this brings the hands down because a lot of the times what Herman did was Herman had success sometimes in these circumstances where if it was a middle kick or a head kick, he would just shell up. If it's a leg kick, he would either try to parry it or counter and parry, uh, or not parry at all, just eat it and then counter. And you see him here. I think he tries to counter this one. Uh, nope, and he can't get it, actually, so he just kind of ate this one. Um and then this is actually one of the better, better moments. Herman tries to play Krilov's game, and Krilov just sort of steps through and makes him pay with it, which I kind of appreciate. And I want you to sort of note a small detail here. Look at how nicely um, Krilov rolls his hand over, right? Um, he doesn't punch straight through. He doesn't punch like a slap. He's got the two knuckles turned all the way inside out, which is essentially how you want it done. You want to punch with the front two knuckles, first finger and middle finger. Those are the two strongest parts of the, of the hand. Uh, it does a pretty good job with it. All right. So we go through, and I think he falls right up behind it, if I'm not mistaken, with, yeah. Sort of go, goes this way, and then tries to sp spring out with a left and catches him. So he had some, you know, he had some decent success with the hands, but it's not. Most of it, uh, his hand work, okay, so with his kicks, he could do everything. Inside leg kick, outside leg kick, front kick, middle kick, head kick, question mark head kick, which we'll get to in a minute. He had a lot of different places that he used his kicks, a lot of different types of kicks, a lot of different angles on the kicks. His handwork, Krilov, is primarily, if not exclusively, head hunting. He virtually never goes to the body. He is very much a kickboxer, right? That's what he is. And so his hands are either to get the posture of Herman upright, to get his hands up, to open the lane for a body kick, or to measure his distance. The, he does land a jab occasionally as Herman tries to get set, but that's really not what his handwork is about. Krilov's handwork is about distancing. It's about getting reactions from Herman to bring his hands up so he can go to the body, um, or about uprighting his posture. Okay, just keep that in mind. And then he throws right behind it a body kick, a front leg kick to the body, which landed partially. And then he follows up with yet more punches, flurrying against the fence. Kind of lands that one mostly on the chest here if you watch that in replay. And I think he gets countered here. You can see Herman's already in motion for a punch here. He misses, but nevertheless, you can imagine someone else potentially making him pay. That's an issue to pay attention to down the line. All right. Uh, pair, uh, again, front leg body kick. You see Herman try to get ready for it and then parry as well. And then right behind it, he throws 
uh, a head kick. If I'm not mistaken, is this the one I want to pay attention? No, this is a different combination. You'll see a different combination later. Uh, but just goes right back to the head. Like, doesn't give him a moment's rest. Doesn't set it up. You'll see the time here he lands this. Just kind of backs up every couple of seconds and then throws a head kick. Again, different angles, just all the time on him. Okay? And then sort of, you know, making sure his defense is responsible. And then uh, later on throws a hook on the outside. You can see behind the black lines, he was much more willing to engage. Throws a body kick two seconds later to back him up. Inside leg kick, and I believe he gets countered here pretty quickly. If this is not it, it's a later one. And you can see already cocking that hand to come down with it and right there. And that actually winds up saving him, right? We all know that Krilov likes what? If he's going to throw with a left inside kick or even to a left body, left head, whatever, when he comes and brings that foot down, he wants to bring the same side, sort of like a chambered punch. Boom. Nails him with it. All right? So, Herman tries to counter. I believe Herman's going to counter with a left here. And actually gets him. Not quite. This picture's not great. This little blur here next to the face of Krilov is actually Krilov's hand. Um, so he manages to get it up just in time. But again, that boxing range was a little bit problematic for him. All right. Again, same thing. You can see who won this contest here. And actually, it was Krilov who, who jabbed first. Herman just sort of made him pay on this one. Um, okay. This was another, I believe, body kick, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Front leg. From Krilov, we're still we're, not, we're we're only two minutes into the first round. By the way, I'm just sort of showing you this incredible frequency and diversity. There's another one. Uh, I believe this might be the same one. Nope, this is a different. One. There's another one, right? And you can see uh, hands down, but because Herman's trying to parry, here's a better look at it. Right there, he does it again, and this is what Herman likes to do. He wants to keep that hand up, and he likes to use that extended arm, that left arm, to parry shots. That's really what he's trying to do the whole time. Not merely at this range, but in a different one. And that's going to be key, you'll see later. Alright, here's another one. Ten seconds later. This is more of a um, uh, middle kick as opposed to a front leg body kick. But you get the idea. Herman's sort of just trying to do whatever he can. Defensively responsible, kind of turned in. Hand outside, trying to push down or parry to the side. Front leg. Inside kick. You can see how just unrelenting he is. Same thing from Herman. Shell on this side, outside left hand to down parry or side parry. Just incredible diversity. Now here he goes, back leg, outside leg kick. Here's an interesting thing about um, striking that I've been told a number of times. A lot of guys could be reluctant if they're really lead leg dominant. To throw that back leg, not merely because their bread and butter is that lead leg, and maybe their bread and butter is that lead leg for this reason, they're not as defensively... Uh, they're, they're, when you throw that back leg, you can be more defensively compromised. Um, it just requires a different position um, to your opponent, especially in this circumstance where he's going to be left leg forward, and you're going to use your right leg to attack it. It just puts you in, an un, in a compromised position defensively. So they might be more reluctant to throw it. Not to say that you're defensively free and in the clear with the lead leg, but positionally, um, when you're going to have the two, when you're going to have your hip, hips both open the same direction, it does potentially leave you open, especially if your hand positioning up top is not great. And this hand would need to be out on Herman, extending and pushing away and off balancing him, which it's not. Um, it, it just it, it brings you a little bit closer uh, sometimes, um, and so 
in this particular case, Herman eats the leg kick, and this is where he fires over the right hand and knocks Krilov to the ground. All right. Now, Krilov actually does a pretty good escape, but I'm not really going to show you here. This is Krilov back on his feet, and this is the most important thing. Okay, When they would tie up, what is Krilov going to do? He's going to push off. With both hands, he's going to push off. He actually gets double underhooks which is the superior position, and then steps forward with his right and then pulls his arms back. You can see how his right leg is forward here. He's going to pull his arms back because Herman's going to think, I don't want this guy to have double underhooks. He's letting go of double underhooks. So I'm just going to let it go. So what Krilov does is he pulls back and then he's going to give a, a not a delicate push, but not a, not a huge shove. He's just going to push off on Herman and watch him go backwards. Why is he going to push off? Two reasons. One, if you push off on a guy at the end of a combination, a lot of times their posture will go upright. You bring them taller. I'm not, sta I'm not telling you that Herman is standing at attention here, but look at here. He's fairly straight up and down here. Here he's still leaning if he's battling your hands in a clinch kind of way, right? They can get a lean. This, if, they, if you've tried to do the head kick here, it wouldn't necessarily be here. But Krilov pushes him off and then throws it right behind. That's one of the reasons. The other thing is, or not, well, that's one of the, that's, that's the real major reason. But I want to pay attention to something else here. This is a common thing. When Krilov and Herman were in close distance and Krilov had his left extended, a lot of times Herman wanted to counter with the right over the top. And you can see why. Krilov was not necessarily the most defensively responsible. I'm not calling his jab lazy, but it wasn't super tight either. And Herman wanted to counter over the top there. Herman likes to like eat, maybe take a shot or like lean and reach, you know, really try to sort of lean forward and try to just come over the top. He's got a pretty long reach in this one. You can see, you can go back to this one. Where are we at here? Sorry, I'll, I'll wrap this up pretty quickly. You can see he's got he's got a pretty nice long reach here. Herman does, right? Or at least he uses it well. I don't even know what the numbers were, but you get the idea. So they go to this part. Herman gets pushed off. Posture comes upright, hands go down because he's expecting, he was trying to counter that left hook, and there's the hand right behind it. Look at the time on this. He hasn't even pushed off. Probably less than a second later, bang, it's right up top. Really nice. Really, really, really nice. And fluid and frequent and, and you know, you always want to finish. If you're going to throw a combination with your kicks, you finish with your hands sometimes. A lot of times guys throw combinations with the hand and finish with the kicks. Um, it just depends on, there's, there's innumerable amounts of different combinations, but the whole idea is I get you busy doing one thing and then from a surprise angle give you another one. And this was actually a question mark kick, which we'll watch from the opposite side a little bit later. I don't want to put two of both of them in here. And he follows it up with another, this one was sort of a more straight on, just like tie middle kick. Um, Herman does a pretty good job of getting his hands up to at least block it a little bit there. Okay, and this is one of my favorite things. So watch this. This is kind of my favorite thing. Now, we know he normally likes to throw from the right side. In this particular case, he doesn't. Watch this. He's going to throw up the gut with this one. Back leg, front leg. Okay? Well, it's not his front leg, but it's his back leg. It's his front leg in this case, but you know what I mean. It's his back leg normally. It's his right leg. Uh, middle kick. Pushes him back. Already against the fence. Kind of hurts. What he's going to do is, you know, he's not going to come down with the right, but he's not going to punch with the left either. What he's going to do is he then switches sides in real time and uses his left to hold Herman's head in place so he can throw a head kick. So he's like hop, not hopping side to side, but you can imagine front leg, excuse me, back leg goes up, 
boom, body kick, brings it down at the same time, tries to bring that head as he's bringing the leg up. Now, you can see he misses. He actually hits the shoulder. But he was these trying these different tricks to find that sweet spot from that left side head kick. Um, and Herman, if you just throw it at him, he's going to be really responsible. Again, if he can read it, he's pretty good about getting a hand up. But if you can throw in quick shots, if you can get him to put his hands down for one reason or another, obviously he's going to be quite vulnerable. In this particular case, this was this would have worked. He just got a little bit too shallow on it. I don't think he had quite the right distancing that he wanted, or maybe Herman stepped into him enough to avoid it and sort of and jammed it up before he could really get a full extension. But you can see that's pretty nifty, right? Body kick with the right, slam the foot down on first the body, but then slam it down to the ground. Use the left hand, bang, pull it down into your face. He just missed ever so slightly. All right, we keep going. Throws a head kick. Herman gets it up. Same thing. Inside arm blocks, outside arm parry. All right, boom. Follows it up with, remember, same side. Left leg goes down, left hand comes up. I think he's going to crack him with a right here as well. And you can see Krilov doesn't move his head. And Herman might eat a shot, but you can see this one's already in motion. So it's like the best of Krilov and maybe the worst of him too, but um, obviously overall pretty great performance. Boom, cracks him. And I think he tried for his own hook and missed. Um, you can see he's already off balance here. Another inside leg kick. Lead leg, right? This time Herman doesn't try to counter. What does he do? Throw a punch right behind it on the same side. Um, it, it just, it was always catching him. I think this time he catches him with the right as well down the pipe. Man, look at that. Boom. Okay. So that's pretty sharp, yes? And I think he even follows up with another left here. Okay, this one's great. I really like this one. So this is another combination he sets up close to the round. He's going to jab his way in a little bit. Jab, jab, but he's not really hitting him. Like, he's just kind of, I mean, he's, he's, he's touching his face, but barely. It's not really a punch. You could see Herman's parrying it because he's not really, it's not, he's not jamming it into his face. He's just kind of like, not, he's not, he's not measuring for the, with a flat hand so much as he's kind of halfway pawing, halfway punching. So Herman can parry it, catches it, tries to land his own, but what winds up happening is he creates a lane for the body kick. Watch that again. Here we are. He's jabbing his way inside. Herman wants to counter with the left. He kind of catches him a little bit. Krilov's able to get one hand in before it can really get over the top. But what happens is, by baiting this counter out of Herman, the body kick is right there. That's all he was trying to do. You can see from even back here, he's not really landing. But he's going to get reactions out of Herman. Get a reaction, get his hands up, get him to counter. Get, oh, there's that counter I wanted. Throw in. Bang. Nice. Nicely done. Goes right back. Keeps him honest with that head kick. Goes right back after that. Inside leg kick. Herman doesn't even counter at this point. And then follows it again. What does he do? Throws a kick. Right behind it, a punch. Right behind it, another head kick. Oh, this is my favorite combo. So, okay. He throws this. It's like 45 seconds against the fence. Then he circles out. Then he, Herman follows. He throws a head kick. No setup. It's blocked, of course. But that's not the point. Because then he goes back leg front kick. Two seconds later, remember, we're at 42 seconds here. Watch this. Two seconds later, back leg front kick. Two seconds later, whipping body kick. And you can see Herman thought it was going to be a head kick. 
because that's what he'd been eating a lot of. He just couldn't tell where it was going to be coming from. And you can see he wants to block and get it up, and it comes right underneath that, even that outside arm parry, right across the liver. And that one had a ton of force behind it, man. Brutal, brutal. So here we are. Three kicks in the matter of, here we go, one, two, three. Four seconds he's thrown three kicks, and the third one landed with authority because they're just coming all the time. They're coming from different directions, and they're hard to read. All right? So this is a question mark kick that he throws from the right side. We had mentioned he had thrown one from before from the left, but I couldn't get a great angle on it. I just want to show you, you can see... Like, this is part of the, the Kyokushin background I mentioned before. It's not really that fluidity with the kicks, but the front leg dexterity and the fluidity he had there as well. But um, some of the kicks he threw were just kind of more Thai style. He's got an adapted style, it looks like to me. Maybe a Kyokushin practitioner will tell me I'm wrong, in which case I'm happy to uh, repeat their wisdom. But um, what it looks like to me is sometimes he just sort of lands that... Like, what's the difference between a Kyokushin karate background kick and a and a and a tie kick? There might be any number of differences. Actually, there could be foot positioning. Are you on the balls of your feet? Are you on the heel? Uh, all all kinds of stuff. Okay, but one of them has been more famously the Muay Thai kick is kind of like a whip, and then some of these kicks from Kyokushin karate a little bit more like a snap. Uh, and what you're going to see here is um, certainly the question mark kick can be done in a number of different styles and whatnot. But I, I, it's it's really uh, much more going to be common, I think, in karate circles. And you're going to see, instead of just sort of whipping it around up to the top of the head, you'll see he's going to raise his knee up and then whip it around the top, which is how the thing is done. But I just mean that sort of attack where the knee comes up and then there's a whipping motion around it, or in this particular case, almost a, a snapping motion, not the same kind of outside whip that we're talking about here. Um, it's much more sort of a karate-based style of kicking. So let's actually take a look at that if we can. And you can see it's going to go up top. This is, you're going to see it in real time here, right? I think he throws a punch behind it as well. So check this out. Let's let this load and watch. Watch, 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 watch. Broke this down. He's going to step into it. Now watch his knee come straight up. Oh, for crying out loud. Here we go. Watch the knee come straight up. And then whip over the top. Boom. See that? One more time. He's going to step in. Knee comes up. Straight up. Almost like an inside. And then outside. Bang. And he did this a number of times in the fight. Pretty impressive, actually. Switches back to the other side. Left leg high kick. Herman gets most of it blocked, but you can see what's happening here. Then he goes down to the middle. And then they kind of exchange here. Uh, Herman was able to counter a little bit on this one. But you can see, not the best balance for Krilov, but even worse for Herman. He's wide open, you know. And then he ends the round with a front, with a back leg front kick. All right, so let's, that's, the, that's the first round. This is basically setting up everything here for Ed Herman. Let's take a look at the second round. All right, here we are in round two. So remember, we had that question mark kick at the end of round one. But more than that... He was throwing this diversity of strikes, left side, mostly left side, not entirely, but obviously some from the right side as well. But even from the left side, they were throwing inside leg kicks, middle kicks, question mark kicks from the outside, head kicks. Both from the question mark kick itself, because when you bring that knee up and whip it around the top, it's impossible to see coming. And also just the diversity, like just the guessing game. Is he going to go middle? Is he going to go high? Obviously, the fact that you're throwing a question mark kick kind of shields that. But um, 
Herman's confused at this point. He's just kind of on the defense. He's trying to trudge forward, and he's blocking things he can see coming straight, but even then he's having a hard time with that. We saw before we had that one head kick, uh, or you know, front leg, uh, middle kick, front leg body kick anyway, push kick, and then, of course, that body kick on the left side from Krilov in the first round, just near the end there, that kind of crushed him. And then, of course, we saw that same side, right side, um, question mark kick. Here's round two. Round two, he started off boxing a little bit more. I'm not particularly sure why. I mean, again, probably just to make it all a little bit more uh, diverse with what he was expecting. Maybe bring Herman into range better, right? If, I, if I'm kicking you at range, maybe you're going to be a little more reluctant to engage. Or maybe you'll just not be at the quite the right distance that he wants. If you can get him to, to not drop his guard quite literally, but metaphorically come more into boxing range, that's also going to be good kicking range for him depending on what it is, right? So I think he does that a little bit here. You can see he throws uh, kind of like a cross. Misses. Herman counters a little bit, but not quite. And this is awesome. When he comes back, watch this. So he kind of misses. Herman tries to counter. He gets a little bit on it. But you can see he was always still a little bit mostly inside the punches of Herman. Herman never really lands clean across the chin. He does land in the sense that this is open. But even if you go back to the first round, even ones where he knocked him down, it's almost like the forearm hit on the head of Krilov. It was never really like a clean shot on the jaw. Um, and this is interesting. He comes back with his right hand. It's not a spinning back fist. He's more just sort of pushing off, riding himself, bringing his defensive responsibilities up. For what? What do you think this right leg is going to do? What do you think this left leg is going to do? Of course that's what it's going to do. He's always getting that switch kick in here. When he does this, he's already in position for the switch kick because he doesn't have to switch. The switch is already made. The front the, the front leg is now the right leg. Because remember, he's usually left leg forward. So to get the real power on it, that's why you do a switch kick, right? If I'm left leg forward and I want to throw my left leg with maximum power, i got to get a little bit of a switch kick going. I have to get that right foot forward, that right foot at an angle, something. i got to get that right foot in motion in front of the other one or to the side of the one, depending on what you're doing. And that's what's going to give me the base of power to then throw the left leg. So you can see he's already going to land in a position where rather than trying to switch his stance back and then go back into a switch kick, he's just going to miss with the right, step forward with the right, in real time, pushing him back, bang. Trying to find that space again. It's that same kind of push we saw before. Not identical, but the same. some of the same concepts. Push him up, get him upright, and then push him into that right distance. Yeah? Throws a turning back kick again. Brings the hands down of Herman. Herman's just getting bombed on here, and the end is quite near. They go in. Uh, Krilov lands a hard inside leg kick. Left leg again. All right? Push kick this time with the lead leg. Again, less than 30 seconds, or I should say just more than 30 seconds in. And you can see Krilov just, is just on him, man. Now, this is where the beginning of the end gets set up. We, we, we know what's going to happen here, not merely because we've seen it, but Krilov has had enough reactions with this guy and enough playing with distance with this guy to just know sooner or later, if I just keep throwing this, it's going to work, right? We've been throwing the head kick diligently, and Herman's been getting it up, but he gets it up usually when... Um, you know, they're at distance and he's throwing the head kick. He's not really, like the times he's, th the times Krilov has thrown the head kick at the end of a combination, we saw the one before, right leg, front body kick, bring him down, left leg, try to, left hand try to pull into the left leg, and he just kind of missed a little bit. We saw him hit that question mark kick in the first round that rocked Herman, but it just off the, off the push off, but it just wasn't quite enough to get him. But Krilov knows he's there. If he just throws the left high kick, 
Herman's going to block it. And yeah, that's good for you know creating confusion, but that's probably not going to be enough. You're going to have to do it at the end of a combination. It's just going to have to be that way, or the end of some kind of sequence where it's not just open space, close space, throw a head kick. It's not going to work. So he throws the spinning back, back fist. Okay? Um, let's see here. Comes across with the left. Yes? Pretty amazing. Um, now he's going to jump into space. He's going to eat a left from uh, Herman because he gets kind of pushed forward here when Herman counters with his own right. You can see he kind of rocks the hair. Pushes him in. And um, now they're going to clinch. So they clinch. Herman lands a pretty good knee here, actually. Now what happens is the following. They separate. Krilov throws a right, and it kind of bounces off the head. It doesn't really land cleanly on Herman. But he's doing that headhunting work, remember? Bring hands up, get a reaction, get him to counter something. Um, he doesn't ever go with a hand to the body, at least not on this, this fight. Now what he does do is he's going to react like he's going to throw his left. You can see that. He's going to extend it. For a second there, you think, oh, Herman sees this head kick coming. Look, he's got the hand up. He knew what he was doing. But when Krilov extends the hand, what happens is, not only does he take a step forward, kind of with that rear leg, like go back and look here real quick. You can see where he was here. He's going to bring that forward so that this gets perfect angle. But the interesting part is, Herman sees that a head kick is coming for just a split second. But when the front hand goes out, remember we said before, Herman wants to parry it so then he can counter it or parry it and come over the top, just some kind of counter. He thinks he's going to parry it. But when there's no punch there, he just kind of drops his hand, and boom. You can see he was bringing the left up, probably to think he was going to counter him, and it just never happened. So one more time, real quickly, just to explain this, and then we'll move along. Herman, his reactions were well known at this point. Krilov throws the right. Herman backs up. You can see when he throws the right here. He's kind of like hips facing that way, throws the right, takes a step out. Krilov extends the left. He sees the kick coming, but when the left goes further out, he wants to parry it and then counter with his own left. And at that point, once the hand gets parried down, he actually does parry this, but then he eats that as a consequence. And then watch this. Look at that. Here's my favorite part about this. Remember how we said if he throws the left, he likes to follow it with a punch from the left? Still out there like a savage throwing that, even though he knew that landed clean as day. Here's another angle of this. All right, look at that. I mean, dude, you ever, you ever done that to another man? Pretty amazing. Um, here's the ending again. So he does a spinning back fist. Herman lands a pretty good knee, actually. Now you can see this is that right hand that kind of bumps off the head of Herman. Krilov extends that left. He thinks he sees it coming, but look at that open palm. Look at that open palm. He's going to bring that down to parry that away and think he's going to counter with the left. And before he can even do that, kablam. Kablam. And then, he, and then, look, follows it up with a left side punch. Same thing. Pretty, pretty amazing. Let me go back and show you one more thing, and then we'll move on. Appreciate everyone's patience. One quick note here before we sign off on this Krilov-Herman fight. This was pretty impressive to me. Um, look at the time here. Okay, now he's already thrown this right. We're already in transition. I just want you to notice... Like we mentioned before, the type of kicks and the type of dexterity and the fluidity and everything. We've already gone over the Kyokushin background that's going to really has benefited and, and, and is quite present in the style of Nikita Krilov. But here's the other part, right? So he throws this right, but look at this. 
And even if you wanted to start from 423, it wouldn't matter. But I just want to point this out. I didn't even do this on purpose. This actually just happened in the course of, of, of recording this podcast today. 422 on the clock here. He's going to need to extend. I just want to point out something. It's not merely that, wow, look at the diversity of kicks. Look at the frequency of kicks. Look at the diversity of placement. Look at the diversity of power. Look at how they combine with hand combinations. There's any number of ways in which you can address the um, style of kicking and the ability of kicking Nikita Krylov and say, wow, he's really, really good. Here's one last way. Look at how fluidly quick everything is. 424. 424. Excuse me, what am I saying? 422 on the clock. He extends the left, still 422. He extends the left even further, gets the counter, or gets the parry anyway, from Herman, right? 422. Cracks him, 422. Falls and throws the jab, it's still 422. Like, that's how quickly this all happened, not merely because it was some wild exchange, but because this is just part and parcel of Krylov's offense. He can do these things so quickly because they come so effortlessly and so naturally, right? Think about that. He it, it doesn't take him a second to wind up. Everything he does in space, he knows where his feet are. He knows exactly what he has to do. He knows everything. And four, uh, 423 here, he's, he just got kneed in the face, by the way. He throws the right. Herman thinks he sees a kick coming, and he's right. He does. But he just gets baited by that left, just enough to parry it, right? And then eats it and is falling and then thrown another punch before he even hits the canvas. It's 421 he hits the canvas. In two seconds, in two seconds, less than really, Ed Herman goes from kneeing him in the face, 423, and then two seconds later, boom. That kind of speed in a tight situation and to be able to go high to low like that so quickly, you have to have flexibility. You have to have that uh, kind of... Um, this is not a rehearsed combination that he practiced in camp. This is something he's been doing for years. Years. That is a ridiculous level of ability. And look, I, 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 you know, when someone loses via Von Fluchoke, I, I get a little bit... I turn into a hater. But I got to say, this was such a wake-up call for me on Nikita Krylov. Really impressed by this performance. You know, it's Dave Herman. I'm not saying it's the best striker in the world, but nevertheless, you can see just some of these details about what he's doing. Look at old Rogan here. Huh? Mouth agape. And, again, any number of ways to break down this. The arsenal of kicks he has, the types of kicks he has, um, how he uses them, how frequently he uses them, how accurately he uses them, how well he uses them, um, where he places them, and then the speed with which, with which it all comes together is truly Truly impressive. Hats off to Nikita Krilov for a dominant performance. And last but not least, we go to the final segment here. Uh, what's coming up next? There is no World Series of Fighting coming up. There's no Invicta coming up. There's no Bellator, not until like late August. Um, so the next big one, of course, is going to be, um, let's see, UFC Fight Night 92, I believe. Yep, uh, Rodriguez versus Casares. This will take place at the Vivint Smart Home Arena. In Salt Lake City, uh, UFC's first uh, stop in that area. So I, I suspect, like Sioux Falls, it'll be a pretty engaged crowd. This will be headlined ver- ver- with, um, it's a featherweight contest, as my wife would say, Jair Rodriguez versus Alex Caceres. Uh That should be fun. Dennis Bermudez taking on Hani Jason. 
And then a middleweight, Talos Lightis taking on Chris Camozzi. Jesus, that's not that great. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio is back versus Zach Cummings. That might be kind of fun. Trevor Smith, Hot Sauce, is back against Joe uh, Giliotti. Women's strawweight, Marina Morose is back against Daniel Taylor. We move on to the Fox Sports 1 preliminary portion of the card. Court McGee is back against Dominique Steele. Victor Pesta taking on Marcin Tybura. Uh, then we have David Tamer versus Jason Novelli. Teruto Ishihara taking on Horacio Gutierrez. And then the preliminary portion of the card, actually very, well, this is the fight pass, I should say. One very cool fight. Cub Swanson is back against Tetsuya Kawajiri. That should be kind of fun. And then Chase Sherman versus Justin Leddit. Um, and that's really about it. There might be some stuff on uh, Access TV. I don't know yet, but you get the idea. All right. If you were a Kyokushin Karate practitioner and I missed any kind of detail, please let me know. Luke.thomas at SBNation.com. I appreciate any kind of help or correction. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for watching. Give it a thumbs up if you can. Salutes to Nikita Krylov and the whole gang who won this weekend. Amazing fighters, amazing fights. Blessed to be able to cover this sport. Thank you guys for watching. And until next time, enjoy the fights.